our special guest today, our speaker, is a, a, a pastor, a man that I encountered a few years ago when I heard that he was planting a church in Brockton, Massachusetts. And one of the reasons that I moved to Boston was because I believe God wanted to see a movement of reproducing churches, not just downtown, but all across the whole metro region into New England, a place that desperately needs gospel preaching churches. And so when I heard that this pastor was going there, I thought, I talked to the elders of the church and we decided we had to get on board. We had to support what this man was doing with finances, with prayer, with everything else, because we just, we believe in him. Now, the reason he's speaking today is that it's Valentine's Day. And so this is a very exciting day for some of you, and a very depressing day for some of you, but he's going to bring God's word to bear on your circumstances, and he wrote a book called Dating Plus God Equals Questions by Pastor Rob Connolly, and so I want you to go online and buy this book. It's on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, read it, review it, leave five stars. That helps bless other people and get God's word out to them. So when you check into the service today, we'll send you the link to buy this book on Amazon so that you can re review it, be a blessing to Rob, but also all those people who need God's word. So without any more delay, I want you to, I want you to welcome, I think you're really going to benefit from the ministry of Pastor Rob Connolly. Pastor, come on up. Oh man, praise God. How y'all doing this morning? I am just so blessed to be here today at Renewal Church. You guys have been a blessing to me, so I hope that today I could just give you a little bit back just to show you how thankful I am that God has um, allowed me to be in y'all presence today. Um, yes, like, you know what today is. Today is Valentine's Day. This is the day where you're going to, you know, burn some incense. You're going to put on some... Uh, some nice slow music, and then you're going to go to bed because a lot of you are single. So that's what's going to happen. And <laughs> uh, I'm not sure what's happening in your house. But today, um, uh, I was asked to, to, to bring a word. And, and uh, like Pastor said, uh, I did write this book. And this book really just came out of a heart that, um, that God really just put in me for, for people. I never sought out to be an author. I never sought out to write a book about this particular subject, but um, I had the opportunity as um, a number of years ago as an executive pastor at a church in Brockton where I was just having a lot of conversations with young adults, and a lot of times uh, God would, would use conversations that I have with people to uh, put me in a place where he helps me to understand the, the purpose for whatever it is we're discussing. And what I want to talk to you today about is the purpose of dating. I want to talk to you about the purpose of dating. Now, here's the, here's the secret I'll tell you. A lot of people think they know where I'm going to go with this subject today. But I, I, I have a strong idea that you don't. So let's just uh, give yourself an opportunity to allow God to really um, take your mind to a place um, where he can teach you the purpose of dating. I don't know how many sermons you've ever heard about the purpose of dating. This might be the first one, but let's go with it. Let's see where God takes us today. I'm going to tell you a little um, story about what really um, helped me because uh, I'm, I'm married. I've been married. I'm very sorry for those. I don't know if you can see the ring from where you're at, but I've been married for almost 19 years. Um, I'm a father of three girls. So um, this subject has been something I've, I've dealt with for a number of years now. And even talking to my daughters about 
getting ready to date one day. So let me take you back. Let me take you back just a little bit. Uh, when I was, when I was a, a teenager in school, I was dating this girl. And I won't use any names, um, but I was dating this, this young girl. And I had low self-esteem, low self-esteem. I, I did not give my life to God yet, and I had low self-esteem. And the only reason why I date this girl because of one wonderful reason. She asked me out. So um, when you have low self-esteem, you're not asking nobody out. She asked me out, right? So I dated the girl. And then um, that didn't work out. And then afterwards, um, when I gave my life to Christ a couple of years later, I was graduating from high school. And when I graduated, she showed up to my graduation. The girl came back, showed up to my graduation. And she wanted to rekindle, you know, what was happening back then. So, you know, we exchanged numbers. And that summer that we, um, we were talking, it was the first summer after I had given my life to Jesus. So the conversation went like this. Um, no, I would not sleep with you. I'm saved. And she didn't like that conversation at all. She kept pressuring me to have, you know, intercourse. And I said, I said, no, I don't know too much about Jesus. But what I do know is that this can't, this can't happen. So after she continuously to pressure me, I left where I was. And some people still to this day don't believe that I left, but I, I left. And, and then, I had a, then I had a thought. I said, well, if, if, I'm, if I'm saved, then maybe if I don't want to deal with this pressure anymore, I should only talk to other Christians. That was the thought process, right? So, and, and I have to go down this, this road, you know, with, with people who are listening today because what I've learned is that not a lot of people are talking about how to really think like a person of God when it comes to this subject. We just hope that this happens. Unfortunately, there's some key things about our faith that we just hope happens that we should really plan out, you know, kind of like discipleship. That's another sermon for another day. But um, we just, so I just said, you know, why I talk to Christians? So then the next girlfriend I talked to was a Christian. And we dated, and it was, it was, everything was going great for a while. You know, we went to the same church. I'm like, great, she's a Christian. I'm a Christian. I'm not going to be pressured in certain ways. Good, we on the same page, no problem. And then I found out over a couple of months that I was, I was dumped. You know, I had to arrive at this knowledge. It was kind of like an epiphany from the Lord that I got because um, it wasn't told to me directly. You know, you come into church and like, what's going on? What do you mean what's going on? Oh, okay. So I arrived at this knowledge that um, I was no longer dating somebody who I thought I was dating. And then, and then another thought came to me as, okay, so if the first, my first level was I should date other Christians, you know, because dating somebody who wasn't saved, that's going to give me a level of interaction that I don't want, and I should date Christians. But now, just dating another person who believes in God wasn't enough because I found myself in a place where we weren't on the same page. So there had to be another level that I think a lot of times um, we as believers in God, we don't get to enough. So after I found out and arrived at this knowledge that I was dumped by this Christian girl, I said this to God. I said, God, I don't even know what the term helpmate meant. I didn't, I didn't know. Nobody told me what that term meant. But I said to God, I said, God, at this point, I'm at a place in my walk with God where I said, I'm going to answer the call. God has called me to the ministry. I'm going to answer the call. And I said, God, I don't want to date anymore. 
I don't want to date anymore. I said, if, you know, if you're calling me to the ministry and you want me to do this thing, just find some, just give me somebody who's going to help me walk the walk that you've called me to walk. That's, you know, so that's my, you know, my, my version of a helpmate. I didn't, I didn't have to ask God for dumb things like, make sure she's beautiful. God, come on. Ain't nobody going to say, oh, this is the one that God's called me, and you don't believe that person looks good. No, I'm not going to ask God for that. I, I, that's, that was a given. I had to ask God for the most important things. I said, God, you know, you called me to the ministry. Just bring me somebody who is going to help me do what you've called me to do. The next person that I ended up dating was the person who became my wife. So I had to understand that I had to get to this place where I learned something with each one of those ladies, right? I learned that, you know, you have to, you have to understand what God wants you to arrive at a place. And you may think that's a long process, but this is a process that God actually used with Adam and Eve. And I want to bring you back to the garden because we're going to talk about the purpose of dating, the stories. Now, let me first, before we get into Adam and Eve, because the first, first time we're going to hit this, we're going to hit the, um, we're going to hit the garden, but I want to give you this scripture and purpose. But before I give you this scripture about purpose, I want to ask you a question for you to really think. What scriptures do you know that talk about dating in the Bible? I don't have any Jeopardy music, so I'm just going to pretend that a lot of time has passed because there's none. There's no scriptures on dating. And you want to ask yourself, why is there no scriptures on dating? Because the, the act, Excuse me. The idea of dating is not a biblical idea. The idea of dating is not a biblical idea. And what I cover in my book is I talk about these two words, uh, one dating and one is called courting. And neither one of those terms are actually in the Bible. But we have to think that if God is calling us to do something, it's going to be something that's going to look closer to a purpose rather than just doing something recklessly. God always has a reason for everything, even dating, because if God is the one who is in control of our lives, if God is the one who is leading us to a healthy relationship in life with everybody, and obviously with him, then he's going to have a purpose for every relation that we have, even if it's quote-unquote dating. But let's look at this first scripture here to help um, really pull this out. Uh, Proverbs, 20, uh, Proverbs 19, uh, verse 21, uh, really just helps us to understand where our mind should be. And this verse says this. It says, uh, many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. So we have all these kind of plans, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. You see, this idea with dating is just so limited. You see, dating doesn't give you the full picture of what a relationship should look like. Dating is only halfway. And God did not come to do anything halfway. I mean, we serve a man named Jesus that came to fulfill the law. I mean, he didn't just stop at Malachi, right? So he came to fulfill the law. And dating doesn't give you the full picture of anything. And reckless things can happen when you don't have a plan. Have you ever did anything without a plan and just hoped that it turned out right? I'm going to get an apartment. I have no idea how I'm going to pay the rent, but I'm just going to get this apartment because I'm tired of living at home. How did that work out for you? Now, imagine that being the metaphor for your relationships. So when God was putting in my spirit this idea of a purpose 
for dating. This is something that I think that we should all teach at all times to everybody. I mean, as soon as you start thinking that opposite sex is cute, you need to start learning what God has to say about this whole thing that we call dating. And the reason why we want to do this is early because at first, you know, writing the book, I thought maybe we should only do this for married people. Maybe we should only do this for young adults who are about to get married. But that's too late. I got the privilege of doing marriage counseling for so many years. And one of the things I do is I go over the purpose of why God would allow two people to come together. And the first time that they ever heard any teachings on this would be in marriage counseling. And then they're sitting there and they're reading and they're listening to me and they realize, I should not be with you. But man, we gave out a lot of Vista print cards. We gotta, we, we're going to have to go ahead and get married. So that, that, that's too late. We don't wait for anything else to start doing the teaching. We don't wait until somebody grows up to start teaching them how to pray, how to worship, how to be generous. We don't teach them what the Word of God says. We don't wait until later to teach them what the Word of God says. So why do we do this when it comes to relationships? Why is the first time that we as a, as a body of believers start teaching on this subject is when somebody comes to the pastor and says, hey, pastor, we didn't ask God, and we didn't talk to any of our counselors, no mentors. We made a decision to get married, and now we would like you and God to bless it. How does that sound? Sounds like uh, there's a lot of questions that need to be asked and a lot of talking to God that needs to, have, have to happen first. So if we want to get to the purpose of dating, I'm going to start with what we think is the end and flesh it all out for all of us, all right? So I'm going to take you on a journey. So um, I'm just going to imagine that today, I know it's Valentine's Day, so I'm going to give you what you're asking for. I'm going to give you your wedding ceremony because you want it. You want it today on Valentine's Day. You want your wedding ceremony. So I'm going to set the scene for you. This is your wedding ceremony. And I'm going to use a wedding ceremony um, that we are commonly used to here in America because we know that around the world there are other types of wedding ceremonies, Right? So we're going to use what we, are, what we normally use here in America. So I'm going to use the wedding ceremony that you normally see. We set in the scene, somebody that you spent a lot of money on is playing the same song on the piano. It's the same song. You paid them a lot of money to play. You could just do what I do, just put on Spotify, save yourself a whole lot of money. That's my minister of music at my church. It's not even a joke. Um, so, so we have the wedding ceremony, and the first... The first two, everybody's all set up. You have the crowd. You have everything happening on the front by the pulpit, and then the doors open in the back. And you could picture this in your head. There's two people who are walking through that door, and that would be the bride and the father of the bride. Now, what God was showing me when he was giving me all of this visual was he was showing me the purpose of why we would do something. Why would we date anybody? We're dating for a purpose. And when you're dating for a purpose, that leads you to a place of another word that we would call courting because it has an end goal to it. God is about satisfaction. You've been looking all your life for a satisfaction for the hurts and pain in your soul, and that satisfaction came in the person of Jesus. 
And when you found Jesus, you found satisfactions in all other areas of your life. Yes, I see turmoil going all around me. How is it that I can live in 2020 and in 2021 with so much chaos, suicide going high, you know, divorce rates going high, and you would think because people are locked up in their houses with their spouses that there would be more babies being made. But the statistics show that we're not doing that, that we're being even more selfish than before. So all of this is happening. How can somebody actually have peace and love in a time like this? It's because the one who satisfied your soul satisfied everything else in your life. So God is saying the purpose of dating has to lead to a place of satisfaction. So here is the wedding day. And the first two to come through the door is the bride and her father. Everybody else is already there. This is the grand moment. Let's look at Genesis chapter 2, verse 22. I'm going to take it to a few scriptures, but we have to understand all these pieces. It says here, Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. You see, what God showed me is that every piece of this wedding ceremony represents a story that God wants to tell with this wedding ceremony. Now, we have to remember that God wants to use you to tell a story because we belong to God. You see, I don't, I'm having a hard time understanding the makeup of, of, of a shy Christian because God calls us to live our life out loud. He wants us to use every part of our story, the broken parts of your story that you don't even really want to tell. But God said, I want to use that to show people that I love people that even went through painful times, right? So God wants to use everything. God wants to use this wedding ceremony for that. And what God is showing us here is that the bride represents the church. We see this all the time in the scriptures that the bride is referred to as the bride of Christ. So the bride in the wedding ceremony represents you and I. We are the church. And the bride comes here to represent all of us. Now, the bride's father, he has, he, he, he's representing somebody too. He stands here to represent the Holy Spirit. And God shows us here in Genesis 2.22. It says here that the Lord God made a woman from the rib... He had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. Now, we don't know who the man is represented here in the, in the story yet, but we understand here that the church is represented by the bride. And God, who is the Holy Spirit, who is also God, God is bringing the bride to the man. Now, I want you to understand something. See, we, we talk about gender roles and we, we talk about what should happen in a dating relationship. Even if you are married and you are having some struggles in your marriage, before you can actually fix something, you need to actually make sure that you're reading the right manual to, in order to fix it. So we have to go back and understand the purpose of why God would allow you to be with somebody else in the first place. Now, God is so smart, he's not going to pick your mate. God is too smart to pick your mate. So God had to bring Eve to Adam. 
and then Adam had to make a decision to pick the mate. You see, what God is showing us here is that this relationship that we have, every relationship we have, should tell a story about a relationship that we have with God the Father. And God did not want us to be forced to love him. And I have a good movie in order to represent that. I don't know if you know, but I'm going to tell you a secret. Coming to America 2 is coming out soon, and I can't wait to watch it. But if you've seen Coming to America 1, you remember Eddie Murphy's character, he came to America. And he came to America because he wanted to find a wife. Why? He had an opportunity back home in Africa, but he didn't want the woman back home in Africa because she was forced to love him. He wanted somebody to choose him for who he is. And that's what God wants. God wants us to choose him for who he is. So our relationships should resemble what kind of relationship we should have with God. So he wants us to choose the relationships that we are going to have here. But as a relationship, we're going to pick it based on what God has already shown us. And God's going to say, hey, listen, I got a candidate for you. Here's somebody who loves me just like they, just like you love me. God said, this is some good qualifications right here. But you have to make the decision to want this blessing in your life. You have to even choose to allow yourself to be in a place that is going to receive blessings. So we can't blame God when we're the ones who made the choices that we make in life, and then now we're not satisfied with the choices that were made and the outcomes of it. So God is showing us here that the Holy Spirit brings Eve, brings the bride to the man. So the, so the Father will bring the bride up to the man. So since... He's bringing the bride to the man. Let's talk about this groom right here. The groom. He's standing there. He's going to meet halfway. He's going to, you know, shake the father's hand. Hey, I'm really sorry, man. Thank you for letting me have your daughter. I appreciate it. All right? So the groom is now coming here. And the groom, now who does he represent here? Let's play this game and see if you can figure out. Just put in the chat if you think you know who the groom represent. Jeopardy music. So the groom here. It's going to represent Jesus, the Christ, the lover of our soul. You see, all parts of the Trinity are going to be here. And I don't know how many times, I don't know how many times we went to a wedding ceremony and never really flushed this out to see how God is going to show us a relationship with him, even in this wedding ceremony. So the groom here represents Jesus. Now, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7, gives us more of an insight on what's happening here because God wants to show us here the purpose of the groom coming and taking the bride from the Father. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7 says this, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace. Now, see, here is a part when this interaction happens, a lot of people don't really understand why the groom has to come and take the bride from the father, and then they stand face to face and they look at each other. In this moment, this is a moment when, when the bride has to now be under the cover 
of the groom. Now, again, we will argue about what should happen in your home and in my home or what politics should say, should say what happens in your home and in my home if we don't understand the purpose of this story that God is telling here. God is telling one story all the time. He's telling the story of redemption. I challenge you to read the Bible from the lenses of the fact that the Bible is telling the story of redemption. You ever read the Bible and say, how come it doesn't have every single piece of history fact in it? When you look at the Bible, you're not going to see your social security number. You're not going to have any reference to the day that you was born. It's not going to talk about what happened to the Twin Towers. It doesn't have every piece of information in it. What information it has in it is information that is going to tell the redemption story. That is the whole purpose. You are separated from God, and God wants to get back to you. He wants you to come back to him, and anything that's in the Bible is just going to reiterate that story. And so is also the wedding ceremony. God wants to use this to show that we have to be redeemed back to him. And he told us, like, listen, you know, in order to get back to me, you know, there has to be a sacrifice made and all this stuff. And you can go back into Jewish history and you can see the whole need of blood and all this stuff. And God said here, listen, in order, in order for you to be with me, there needs to be a sacrifice made. And when a sacrifice is made, then now the payment is paid. But check this out. As a parent, you know, my three kids... If my kids were outside and they was playing with a baseball or something and they break a neighbor's window, guess who has to pay for that? Not the kid. I have to pay for it. Why? Because I am responsible for my children. I am responsible as the covering for my kids. I'm the one they're going to call. And so God wants to make sure that the church always has a covering because the payment that's going to be made for that window, my child can't cover it. My child's broke, okay? They're going to come to me for the money. And the payment that is need for our soul, we cannot afford that. So who is going to pay for that? The one who is responsible for that soul. I'm going to say a word that sounds like a cuss word, but it's not. You ready for it? Submission. I'm sorry, I didn't swear. I don't know if they shut the mic off earlier, but the word is submission. Now, see, we look at that as a bad thing because our world has made that word very negative. But when we look at it from the place of who is responsible for our soul, we'll be quick to submit because if they say, listen, um, who's going to pay for this window? My kid's going to be like, listen, I'm going to submit to this one right here. He got a credit card. It starts with a nine. Um, the bank is up the street. He can take care of that. Dad, you got that right. I'm going to go inside and I'm going to watch Powerpuff Girls. So you gotta, we have to understand when, when it comes to understanding that we cannot pay for what is required, we'll be quick to submit. And God is saying if that is the relationship, I need people to understand that I am willing that's why I chose you. That's why I picked you to be my wife, because I chose you because I was willing in order to pay for a price that you cannot afford. I was willing to do that. I willingly got up on a cross and I died for you. That's how much I love you. 
So when we understand it from that purpose, we are so quick to understand and say, I submit to this authority right here. And our relationship on earth should reflect that. God wants to tell that story. How is he going to tell that story if it's not through your life, through your relationship, through my relationship? So how do we let people know who's covering we under? Well, in America, we use the term the last name in order to show the covering. See, if we don't understand the purpose of what we're doing, then we would make up anything. It shows the covering that we're under because we're under the covering of the blood. So it shows who's responsible. But let me tell you about this very expensive wedding dress. Let's talk about the wedding dress real quick. The wedding dress is so beautiful, so nice and white, David Bridal. It's a great dress. It's a lot of money for something that doesn't fit, and you're only going to have it for that day. Um, so <laughs> the wedding dress is a beautiful thing. If I was to do a wedding ceremony and I had all the time in the world, I would have the bride come down in a black dress. Until she hooks up with the groom, and then her dress would start to turn white. Because that would truly resemble what God has done for us on the cross. The church is not presentable in front of the Father until the church connects with Jesus. So it says here in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 to 9, it tells us, For it is by grace that you have been saved. Through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. We cannot afford to be presentable in front of the Father because the Father has requirements, and one of them is righteousness, and we can't, we can't be righteous on our own. So we should be wearing a dress that resembles who we are until we connect with the Father, until we connect with the Son. And the sun covers us, wraps us with, our, with his blood. Maybe the dress should be black and then covered in red and then become white. I don't know. That's a cartoon that I don't, I don't think I can make. But we understand here that this dress resembles what we look like to the Father after we are connected to the sun. So the groom covers us. And now we understand that we are saved because he is responsible for us. Not that he's over us in the place that we are nothing. The Bible tells us that we are co-heirs with Christ, right? We're not Christ, but we are co-heirs with Christ. We don't deserve to be blessed and loved the way that he loves us. That's where we understand unconditional agape love. And by the way, agape love is not just a type of love that is described in the Bible that only God can give. That is the love that he wants us to express to others, agape love. And as I wrap it up here for us, in Romans 5.1 it tells us, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm going to close it out here with letting you understand the last piece to this wedding ceremony that's very important to us, which is God the Father. God the Father is represented here by the priest or by the pastor, the minister, the officiant of this wedding ceremony. And God the Father stands there. See, when the, when the, when the son hooks up, when the groom hooks up with the bride, they look at each other. And then they turn to the father. 
because as they look at each other, the bride understands that she is now presentable in front of the father because she is connected with the son, with the groom. And then they turn and they look at the father. And then the father reminds us of what it should look like back in the Garden of Eden when we were all together. This is the whole purpose of the wedding ceremony. Oh, you ask why the bridesmaids and the groomsmen here? For no reason. Don't have them come. They don't even bring a gift. You have to give them something. They suck. No, I'm lying. They're here because God never wants you to do anything without having a witness. Because he wants you to testify through your life what he has done for you on the cross. Let your relationship be a testimony of what God wants to do with you. If I could leave you with these two closing tips. Let your life tell the redemption story of what it looks like when you connect to Jesus. And if your life doesn't tell that now because you have not given your life over to Jesus yet, then I ask that you marry Jesus because if you don't marry him first, you can't marry anybody else. You would try to love people the way that you think they should be loved, but until you know what real love is, you'll be incapable of doing that. It's just a wedding ceremony, but it could be not just your story about how you got married, but it could be the story of how your soul was saved. Let that be your testimony today.